0: Welcome to the Forthright Women podcast, where we're dedicated to revealing what keeps women leaders successful and sane. We address challenges like being an executive mom, enabling more women to rise, and fueling our own minds, bodies, and spirits. These conversations are unapologetically real, insightful, and from Forthright Women themselves. Let's do it.
1: Hello, Forthright Women. This episode you're about to hear originally aired on our other podcast, Marketing Smarts. We thought this community would appreciate it too as it contains rich and relevant insights to help keep all of you female leaders successful and sane. So let's get to it. Welcome to Marketing Smarts. I am Ann Candido. And I am April Martini. And today we're going to talk about how to position yourself for promotion. This topic is actually one of our coaching clients' favorite Things to ask us so we get asked it a lot and we know it can be so frustrating if you feel like you're ready for promotion but it just doesn't seem to be happening or worse Others are getting promoted ahead of you, and you feel actually that you're actually more deserving. Yeah, and we've
0: definitely all faced this, and it's it's really hard to be objective when you're in the middle of it. So we're going to give it to you straight based on how we've evaluated candidates for promotion, as well as how we've succeeded in getting ourselves promoted. So you'll get kind of the full view of things. And with this mindset shift, we believe you'll have a lot more success getting to where you want to go a lot more quickly.
1: Yep. So let's jump into how to position yourself for promotion. First point, ask, what do you need to see from me to get your support for promotion? So many times when we go into conversations with our bosses about getting promoted, our initial instinct is to really go on the offensive. So we ask questions like, why am I not being promoted? Or I deserve to be promoted because of, you know, insert whatever credentials you put in there. Or so-and-so has gone promoted and I have done more than them. I think I've <laughs> I've used all of those. I I know I have. That and April's one. laughing, so Ooh. she knows she's used it too. <laughs> and actually, the funny thing is, and this is why we're laughing. I'm like, you could be totally right. That's not the that's not the question here. The problem is here, since you are playing offense, your boss naturally needs to play defense. All right, so then the conversation becomes more of justification as your boss explains and generally very generic and safe terms why you haven't gotten promoted. Sometimes bosses have a hard time in these convos will defer to situational occurrences as well. That's why these become very generic, like... There just isn't a spot for you yet, or this person had a little bit more support. Maybe they were just a little bit ahead of you, or it just isn't your time. So these are not generally very effective ways of getting you motivated to be promoted, nor are they very effective in trying to figure out what it takes to get promoted. So, what you need to consider then is flipping the combo. So that you can go on the defense and your boss can play offense, right? So instead of why am I not being promoted, ask, like we headed this section, what do you need to see from me to get your support for promotion? And so what this does is several fold. First, it creates space to have a forwarding combo because your boss doesn't feel like they have to defend their actions. Like you don't want them to have to do that. It also signals that you're thinking about the broader team versus just yourself, which is a much more inclusive way to have the conversation. It also forces your boss to be clear on what still is missing for them, right? So they have to actually think and articulate what it's going to take or what they actually believe they need to see in order for you to be promoted. Now, what is great about this is when they start articulating this, you can start putting KPIs against it. So you can be much more clear about what success looks like. So, for example, your boss may say, I would like to see you have more experience in managing people. One that you could get very frequently, especially as you're moving into a more of a management role. And this can be then a combo that you have back with them which looks something like well okay fine i get that um so how much experience what does that look like in order to be successful in that experience can you give me some checkpoints to gauge my progress against what you're hoping to see and then what you can do then is start having a more formal way of having those conversations And it's very interesting how this dynamic can really then help you and your boss have a more uh, collaborative discussion about what promotion looks like for you. Because when your boss is playing offense, she or he is naturally acting in support of your goal. But when she or he has to play defense, it's actually more of a natural blockage or prevention to your goal, right? They're trying to justify why you haven't done it versus talking with you about why you should be there. So now you have the playbook, which should allow you to get there faster.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I chuckled at the beginning of this episode. And as Anne, as you were talking, I was kind of reliving a lot of the moments in my career when I didn't do this the right way. And I think the biggest takeaway on this point for me is that I think people get to the point of review or whatever that point in time is when you're going to be evaluated And a lot of times there's been not a lot of conversation. And so what's in your head is almost always going to be different than what is actually in your boss's head. And Mm -hmm. so what I like about this is that, Yes, it allows the boss to not feel like they're on the defensive, but it also allows you to be proactive in the situation and managing your career and in not getting your hopes up for something that isn't necessarily going to happen. Because I think a lot of times what happens is the boss presents whatever the thing is and especially if you thought you were getting promoted and you're not. Mm -hmm, (laughs) But there can be mm -hmm. other things too, right? Like my bonus wasn't as high as I thought it was or my increase isn't as much as I thought it was going to be. You know, it all kind of rolls into these super emotionally charged expectation driven conversations, which in my mind, almost always end up badly when that is the way the dynamic of what you're going into. And so I will, you know, give a couple of anecdotes because, like I said, these are playing in my head as you were talking. Anne. so the first one was really early in my career and I was constantly being told, you're a rock star, you're a rock star, you're doing great. There's nothing we can improve. There's no. And so I wasn't getting any of the feedback here. Like, all right, literally, let's get down to brass tacks. What can I do to be promoted? And so when I got to the point of the conversation of the year end review, the boss was like, Congratulations, we're promoting you to I don't know, senior whatever it was, account executive, I don't know, or manager or whatever. <laughs> um The bad news is you already make too much money, so we're not able to give you an increase associated with that. (laughs) Oh, yes.
1: I had that conversation, too.
0: (laughs) Which is not a promotion, right? And then the other one I will say is part of the reason I think this point is so important about not putting your boss on the defensive, I had only been with a company I was working with for, I don't know, half a year or eight months or so. And so to the point of setting expectations properly – He gave me a bonus, even though technically I wasn't eligible for one until the year mark, but no one told me that. But my expectation had been what I was told at the beginning, which is there are no restrictions on increases. Mm -hmm. And so in my mind, my salary would go up and I had a certain number in my mind and the bonus wasn't as much as that, and it was only a one-time thing. So it wasn't like allowing me to build beyond that. And when we went to have that conversation, again, emotionally charged, but because he felt like on he was on his heels, he like quickly threw out a spelling error in a presentation I had created the night before a client meeting because it was a last minute rush thing. And so you can imagine what that did to the relationship and the repair that needed to happen on both mm-hmm. sides. Because again, we weren't on the same page. We weren't working from that same sort of, all right, you want to see this from me? Then I will do this and I will report back to you in kind what I've been doing. And so I think that that dialogue has to go on much in advance of those types of situations and be ongoing.
1: Yeah, I think that's really important. My favorite one that I used to always get was. Well, just keep doing what you're doing and eventually it'll happen. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, eventually, like in a month, (laughs) eventually in like 10 years, Mm -hmm. like what is eventually, right? But I think that goes back to the point you were making about expectations. And I think this conversation helps align on expectations. And it really gets to things. Sometimes you don't want to hear, but are the really, really of the situation. And so if you don't hear them, you're just basically operating in a black box. And that's not going to help you feel any better about your current situation, because a lot of times, like you said, when those things happen, they're kind of a surprise. You take a lot of emotional baggage away with that, right? Yep. yep. But they also help you forward and look beyond what's currently going on to what the future could look like, which always helps, at least for most folks, feel like they're actually moving forward. Yes. Right? Yes, exactly. All right. The second point of how to position yourself for promotion is make your boss look good. April. I love that you give me this one. I totally gave this one to you because I knew (laughs) that you have a lot
0: to say about this one. Remember our bad bosses episode? Anyway, Mm -hmm. all right. Not going to go there. Um, But I do think that whereas the previous point is a lot about preparedness and setting expectations, I think this one is something that puts you in the driver's seat to take action in a way that a lot of folks don't necessarily do. And so... I think we all have a lot of emotions about the bosses we have, good and bad, but I do not think the natural inclination is to go and proactively try to make your boss look good on a regular basis. And so I think the the thing is like, well, they're my boss. They should support me. Right. But I think flipping it on its head really sets you up to be differentiated, but then also kind of perks the ears of your boss because mm. you're patting them on the back. And who doesn't like that? And you're also helping... Um, provide that kind of halo effect of, well, they must have a good relationship and that person must be a good boss if this is how their subordinates speak about them. Now, the things we will say about this is, number one, I will say this is a very hard thing to do. If, yeah, you, are, uh, if you are a type A and you are a hard charger and you are someone who wants to build and build and build upon your skills, it can be hard to take a moment to stop what you're doing and say... This is the the part that my boss is adding to what is going on in my experience, especially if you think you're smarter and better than your boss, especially if you think you're smarter and better than your boss. Yeah. Not to say we've ever been in that position.
1: You have to do um, it anyway.
0: <laughs> and then also make sure that you're doing it in a truly authentic way. So, number one, say nice things, but make sure they're true. Right. Um about your boss to their superiors and colleagues and you know we believe when you put that positivity into the system it tends to return the favor on the other side do not speak badly about your boss to anyone not just the superiors and the colleagues this will get you in trouble very very quickly keep those feelings to yourself and remember all the things we've said before about how you talk to others in a work environment so I'll just say that there Mm -hmm. Um, provide suggestions to your boss so You know, if you're going through the numbers, you know, from last month and, you know, this was always something that I tried to tie myself to once I realized account management was so closely tied to organic growth of accounts. Right. So I would get into the numbers and I would make sure to one, keep track of where I was adding value, but then also There's ultimately bigger opportunities that are beyond you that your boss can then go after, um, look into, and help grow alongside of you. There's also things, inevitably, that can be cleaned up. So, you know, if you're making a process more efficient, if you're looking in and you're saying this doesn't really reconcile, going to your boss and saying, hey, I think something's off here. You want me to look into it? You know, that can build a really good Mm -hmm. rapport. It also takes it off of their plate. It also stops a problem that could inevitably come up. So working along with them to show that you are really striving to make yourself better. Yes, but make them better and make the situation better for the team which is another one of them. Facilitate those team dynamics. Like I said before, it can be really easy to want to charge your career forward, push yourself forward, make sure that you are ready for that promotion you're primed for it. But part of this whole thing is showing that you can work within a team environment and help make the collective team better, not just what you individually do on the team. And this can also take some relief from or give your boss rather some relief from their day to day if they feel like there's other folks that are having their eye on the culture of the team, the dynamics, how everyone's working together and working for the betterment of that, because they're tasked with managing the collective whole of the team and making sure that everyone feels relevant and the culture's good and all of those things. So having someone else to support that is really important. And the last thing I will say is, and this was always my big, big one thing to my team always was, do not ever let your boss be surprised. Yep. On any level for any reason. This is why I've talked in previous episodes about how to get in touch and and making sure that those things are, are um, really laid out. You know, for me, it was if you call me on the phone, I'm going to assume it's an emergency and call you back as soon as possible. Otherwise, there's these other things you can do. Right. And that was with the intention of I wanted my team to know that they could get in touch with me if they needed to. But that was, for me, the idea that I didn't ever want to leave a meeting and before they could get to me, someone else comes and tells me something else. Right. Right. And so part of being part of a team, part of reporting to someone is as nervous as it might make you if a mistake happens or whatever, making sure that you're the person that tells them and that they don't hear it from someone else or heaven forbid, the client gets to them first.
1: Yeah, and, and I, just to build on that one too, what I used to do is if I knew my boss was going into a meeting with, say, like it's a leadership team meeting or something to that effect, I always gave my boss a few message points, things that I thought may be circulating or they may get asked because what that does is twofold. One is it keep it kept her or him out of my business Yep, um, for really the fair. most part. So that I wasn't feeling like I was being micromanaged, but it made them look smart that when they went in there and somebody asked them about it, they weren't like, oh, I'm, I'm going to have to get back to you on that, which most of them would. But there's a lot of insecure bosses that if they can't answer the question when somebody asked them, it is feels like a total hit on their credibility, mm-hmm. right? So. Give them a few message points based on something that you think might be circulating or they might be asked. It doesn't have to be a long like one page or it's like a couple bullets of like, hey, this is going on. Somebody might ask you this. This is where we are on that. Just so that they feel like when they go into that, they can be prepared. And then for the 201, 301 version of this, uh, this point is think about what your boss is doing to position themselves for promotion. Yep. Right? So this is one that I feel like Not very many people do, but when they actually take a second to think about what that looks like, they often find that what their boss is asking of them is for them to look good Mm -hmm. in order to get promoted. So where this kind of seems to have the rubber uh, meet the road is generally in a culture play. Yep. Right. If you are a person that is like in an environment in... You are having trouble working with others, just say. Um, And you're getting feedback that you're having trouble working with others. That reflects poorly on your boss as being a good leader and a facilitator of their people. Yep. All leaders and managers need to check that box in order to get promoted. If you are the thorn in their side in order for them to get promoted in that case, that's not going to look good on you, regardless if you're right. I mean, I think that's the point you're going to hear, regardless if you're right. So think about things like that. If, If you're getting feedback from your boss about those sorts of things, think about, hmm. How is my boss trying to position themselves? What do they need to demonstrate in order to get promoted? And am I helping them yep. in order to look good and for them to get promoted? Yeah. I mean, I think
0: that the <laughs> this, this one, back to the original point about removing your ego from the situation, if you are going to work for someone else, you absolutely must learn to work within the culture. I mean, I just, you know, I, I think that there is just... There is the natural self-righteousness, I think, sometimes yeah. to be like, well, I'm right though. Like, doesn't that count for something? And in this case, we would say, no, honestly, it's that you're not the squeaky wheel, that you're able to collaborate, that you can let things go, that you can show that you can be malleable and that you're willing to change and to sacrifice, actually, instead of sticking to your guns, especially if it's not a huge deal. And like you said, you're always the thorn in the side.
1: Right. Now, and we're not, we're not saying that you should sit on your hands and not be a change agent. Oh, no. Um, but we're saying be be cautious about how yep. you're approaching it, right? Yep. So there's there's ways of doing it that is can be perceived one way and there's ways of doing it that could be perceived a different way, right? Absolutely. That's what we're saying here. Yes. All right. So the third point about how to position yourself for promotion is operate like you're in the role two promotions ahead. April, I'll give this one to you too. <laughs> yeah. And I, I actually really love this
0: one because I think it articulates really well. A problem that is historic definitely on the agency side but also kind of across the board for any business which yep. is the standard statement of you'll get promoted when you're already doing the next job right and I think that that's all well and good until it it provides all the things we've talked about today of like the blurriness and the like well but I am so what am I what, what else can I do and then inevitably you get frustrated you kind of stagnate you know it's kind of that foregone conclusion whereas here It is striving to do much more than even that next role. And I love that idea because I think, number one, you're setting your mind and your vision forward to what you want to achieve much longer term. But then as the owner of your own career and this promotion and pushing it through, you can be documenting all of your things, not just in preparation of the next role, but the one even beyond that. Right. And I think it allows you to look bigger picture. It allows you to start to set like I said that longer path and that vision forward. It allows you to even show proof points that not only are you doing the next level job, but you are already doing things that are the job even after that. And the whole thing about all of this, right, is to build your airtight case in a way that is respectful but also authoritative through the use of the examples of the skills and things that you have built. And so this point really allows you to do that and be very, very proactive. And I think that a couple of the things, and Ann and I uh, went back and forth actually on this, of like areas specifically to look at to judge whether someone is ready for promotion. These are kind of the ones that we're always ticking off, right? And again, think about it through the lens of you have to be able to do it for the next role, but even the one beyond that, like be working already and pushing toward that. So the first one is the ability to think strategically. So Is this person up for promotion just doing what they're told to do, or are they always looking for ways to improve the status quo? To Anne's point about being a change agent, this is the positive side of that. This is the ability to see it and be like, oh, okay, we could totally make this better by doing this. Also, do they understand the business at a high level and are they able to participate in big picture conversations? There were so many instances when I was a boss and people were like fighting for their promotion where they would say i do all the things you tell me to do i do them well i never make any mistakes hmm. i'm i'm performing exactly as i'm supposed to why am i not getting promoted and it always inevitably started with right here with this strategic point about yeah. one pushing beyond that you know okay great you're checking the box on all you're supposed to be doing you need to be moving forward but then two yes but when we have these bigger picture conversations you either don't say anything Or it's clear that you don't have the ability yet to participate there. So that's the first one, the ability to influence. So this plays to the culture point. It also plays to the idea of telling others about your boss. But can you inspire people around you to go a certain direction without beating them into it, (laughs) manipulating them, coercing them, you know, really get them to follow behind you? I mean, we've had conversations before about how leadership can't be when you turn around and no one's there anymore. It has to be where people are learning to go behind you. And in order to be a leader very early on, you do have to develop and then cultivate the ability to influence others. The third one is, do they take responsibility for themselves and their actions? When you are wrong, do you own it? Are you mature enough to do that and say, I did it, and here's what I'm going to do to fix it? If they wrong somebody else, do they go and apologize and fix that? Are they consistently operating with integrity and then championing that within the culture of the organization? The next one is, do they make an effort to lift others up to that earlier point about not just owning your piece of the pie, but the whole pie in total? Do they look at other successes as much or as important as their own? This is a signal that someone is... Moving up that ladder again and thinking bigger picture and being able to see how the collective whole is better than what they individually are contributing. Are they focused yet flexible? This is one I often got dinged on. (laughs) (laughs) When I would get really, you know, into a project, I just wanted to push it all the way through. What I had to learn is you have to stop and bring others along, but sometimes you have to stop and change course. That's what we're talking about here. So do they embrace the mission and the vision of the company as a whole, but then can they use those tools to, like I said, change the path? Or as things come up, develop solutions immediately and be able to start actioning against that versus just stopping whenever there's some sort of problem. Mm-hmm. And so ultimately are they self-motivated versus always needing direction and reassurance. And finally, are they proactive? I think that proactivity we talked we've talked already about. We've talked about it in this point indirectly, but I think really directly In being proactive, you should always be looking for new opportunities and jumping into work without being asked and be able to jump into that work and get it to a point without waiting for instruction. So back to this point of operating like you're two roles ahead, you're looking to be self-sufficient enough to keep things moving or to move into something else if something stalls, but then also self-awareness to know when it's time to call when and ask your boss to come in and be part of the discussion. But overall, this is really about pushing yourself, keeping yourself fresh, keeping yourself moving, not getting discouraged, understanding that organizations take time to change and that within the organization, you're responsible for carving out your own path. And then finally, I'll say there's obviously performance-based criteria with every industry with specific functions, uh, but... Outside of those, when you feel like you're in limbo regarding promotion, this is one of the pieces that we feel like can really put you in a position to prove that not only can they not say, well, when the next one opens up or right. you're almost there, just keep doing what you're doing. You can prove that you're continuing to improve as you go in your role.
1: Yeah, I think that's really, really well said and very comprehensive and the point I want to make here is this: this applies whether you work at McDonald's oh, or work in a C-suite, thousand percent. So I think a lot of people will hear those and be like, "Oh, well, I'm just not at that level to think strategically yet. I don't have to do that." You should be thinking strategically at any level, at any level. And this is if you want to continue to progress and progress at a fast rate. Yep. Or if you want to stay stagnant and you want to kind of toil in your current, uh, in your current role and in your current level. So embrace this knowing that no matter where you at this can help to put in perspective how to get yourself promoted more quickly and don't fall into the traps with things that we've heard like well that's just not my job <laughs> right that's just well do you ever want it to be your job yep. if you want it to ever be your job then you better start thinking like it is your job right or that's that person that person's supposed to do that over there well, yes, but do you eventually want to manage that person to do that? Then you better show that you can manage effectively and help to influence and get things done, Yep. even if it's not your job and it's that's not your person that you manage, right? So you need to really shift your mindset and embrace these principles because these will help you to progress much more quickly. Absolutely. So the fourth point of how to position yourself for promotion is get allies who will act as advocates. Now, remember what how we said when we we're talking about your boss, that it's really good to put that good positive energy in there so your boss can look good? Well, you need to do that for yourself too. Yep. Right? And so that becomes about getting these allies, the support, these endorsers around you that are gonna say good things about you, that's gonna help put that good word out into the the environment in order to basically validate social proof that you are ready for a promotion. And this is kind of like marketing yourself, right? This is like word of mouth marketing yourself. So if that makes it easier for you to wrap your mind around that, then uh, I suggest you do that. And if you need some advice about how to do word of mouth marketing, we have definitely some marketing sports episodes tied to that. So you could just take that and listen to it from that lens and that should help as well. So when you're building allies or you're, you're looking for allies, you need to think about allies in two different groups. The first group is those who get a vote. So these are probably direct people who are actually voting on your promotion. It could be your boss, it could be some sort of like a P and G. We had a I can remember a talent council that actually <laughs> voted about whether or not you were um, ready for promotion and you had to have an advocate that was outside of your current function that actually would advocate for you. So these these are the the voters. These are the ones who say, yes, that person is ready for promotion or that person is not ready for promotion. Then the second group is those who influence those people. So these could be colleagues, internal and external team members, direct reports, anyone that has a POV that would build that social proof on whether you are ready for promotion. These are the people that the voters will look to to see, hey, within that perspective, are they ready or not? So how do you tap into these? So this is the big question we always get. So we're going to give you some, some thoughts here. So first, for those who are the allies who get a vote. You're really looking to get visibility, okay? So these are people that you're probably going to be able to call up and say, hey, let's go get coffee. These are not your networkers. These are people who are probably a little bit higher up. They're very busy. They have their own stuff going on. So what you need to do is you need to get your work, whatever you define your work, in front of them, all right? So this is a really good way that your boss is supposed to be helping to facilitate your promotion progress, right? So you would ask your boss, who do I need to get on my side to support my promotion, this, again, becomes a very proactive conversation where you can put your boss on the offense, not the defense, with regards to who needs to be on my side? Who is my team here? Now, getting visibility can look very different depending on your role in industry. It could be presenting at certain meetings. It could be volunteering to work on a pet project. It could be being part of groups they are part of. So you have to think creatively about what it looks like in order to get that visibility. Now, for those who influence, this can take many forms as well, but it always, always, always comes down to how you make these people feel. All right. This is less about the work and more about the impact you have on the culture, on the way that you lift teams, those other important kind of less tangible, but softer things that are still critically important that you need to cultivate in order to build those relationships that people are like, yes, this person supports me. Yes, this person always has my best interests at heart. Yes, I can always count on this person to really help me see beyond my challenges. These are the things that you want these people to say. Right. So, Work on forging those human-based relationships with those people because this actually can be more important than actually the work you deliver. It was mine. My soft skills was what kept me back. It was not my performance. So you need to think about that and realize that it takes work, okay? It takes a lot of work to be able to cover your bases here, right? It takes a lot of time in order to cultivate this, but it is something you need to invest in. It is definitely worthwhile because it's going to help you in spades as you try to rise up. Now, to avoid being overwhelmed, we suggest you pick a few people <laughs> within each category yes. <laughs> in order to go after, either because opportunistically, you know, they have the um the most influence or they have the biggest vote, or maybe because you are a little uh weak in those areas and you haven't spent the time cultivating. Be strategic. Sometimes when if you pick and you choose wisely Your influencer could be the influencer of influencers, right? Or, Mm -hmm. you know, so it can help to spread that word of mouth more quickly.
0: Yeah. And this one can be tough on your ego as well, I will say. Um, And the counterpoint that I will offer to this one is be careful about not alienating anybody. Yeah. And... What I mean by that is because all of what Ann said is really important. You may not necessarily see the bigger picture and understand the influencers of the influencers or people that have power that maybe you perceive not to be helpful or directly tied or doing a good job in the organization. But they're the sleeper that actually is going to get you into some trouble. And obviously, I'm speaking from experience here. And this was a really, really hard thing for me because early on in my career, I saw the world is pretty black and white and I had to work on those shades of gray. And part of that was acknowledging and understanding that just because I held a certain perspective about a person didn't mean that everyone else did and Mm. also didn't mean that I could just discount them and assume that my career, my rise to the organization, my roles, where I was placed and how I was thought of was going to be tied to some of those people. And so I always think about this Mm -hmm. when I go into any sort of relationship now to make sure that I constantly check myself when it comes to those reactions, because I do know that I have reactions. My face says it all. And once I decide on someone, it's hard for me to change that opinion. So open-mindedness and also just really paying attention to all the interactions you have and acting with as much grace as possible so that you make sure your bases are covered. That's what I will say.
1: I think that's really good advice and as you are talking, <laughs> the, the the movie I think that's epitome of this is The Internship. Oh, with 100%. and Owen Wilson. Yes. If yes. you want... A like crash course (laughs) in building allies or how not to alienate people. Yes. That is a good one to watch. And it's very entertaining. I've seen it maybe like 40,000 times. and I love it every single time.
0: I did not know where you were
1: going, but that's a good one. Isn't it good? Yeah. Yeah. I thought so too. All right. So just to recap, how to position yourself for promotion, ask your boss or stakeholders, what do you need to see from me to get your support for promotion? This question flips your boss's role from defense to offense, creating more opportunity to forge your promotion goal more quickly. Second, make your boss look good. Overall, when your boss looks good, everyone, including you, looks good. It's hard to secure favor if you, your boss, or your team is perceived poorly. Third, operate like you are in the role to promotions ahead. This is especially true if within these moves, you're switching from more of a doer to a manager. Focus on how to help the team, group, business operate more efficiently and effectively. And number four, get allies who will act as advocates. Your reputation is very important in getting the support you need for promotion, and this comes from others putting good reviews into the system. All right, our next segment is in the trenches. We're going to give real-world examples specific to industries and situations, a lot of ones that me and April are very familiar with, but with (laughs) broad application for anyone to digest and put into action. All right, so here we go. Number one, I've been working really hard making my boss look good, but my boss is taking all the credit. I yes. know I'm getting
0: handed this. I know. One. Yep, yes, right.
1: yes, you are. I'll, I'll have something <laughs> to say about this too. How do I get people to see it is actually me doing all the work behind the scenes?
0: All right. So to the point that I just made with my with the previous section about realizing that you don't know everything and that there's other stuff that goes on. The first thing we'll say is you got to give people credit that they see and know more than you think they do. Yes. And so. If this is if your boss is notorious for this behavior, I would just say I would bet that people know your boss is notorious for this behavior. So yes. just just have give the system and the others in the rooms a little bit of credit. Do not try to take the credit away from your boss once they've already claimed the credit. Mm. Bad, bad move. Really bad. We talked earlier about not saying bad things about your boss to anyone that you work with. This is saying something bad about your boss, even if you're right and you're the one that did the work. When they hear this or catch wind of this, the person who is supposed to be your number one advocate toward your promotion and the person that can stand in the way of that promotion is your boss and just be ready for that whole, all of that to unfold. That's where I'll go with that one. Yep. Instead... Be careful and listen and start inserting responses that give you credit, but don't take away from whatever your boss said. So this was something once I learned this skill, this was like true gold in my ability to tell what I had done seemingly in a way that I had was completely oblivious that my boss had taken any credit. So this is a really good tool. So here's how it goes, right? Someone says, oh, my gosh, I saw that the numbers on that account were improving. Your boss told us about what happened in that instance. And you can say, oh, that's so awesome, because you know what? I was able to go into that account and realize that we could reduce these costs. And if we did that, then we would be able to increase the margins and the account overall would look better. I am so glad that that turned out to work out. And it just, you know, and. I would always chuckle to myself every time because it became a little bit like a game. But what you're doing is you're not taking away the limelight from your boss. Your boss reported accurately on what was happening. You're just showing what your role was in what ended up happening. Be careful. That you are not bragging is the thing that I will say. So listen to the nuances of that. If you have to go back and listen to it again, just realize that it's not putting yourself in the limelight. It's showing how you supported as part of that role. Yep. In addition... Volunteering to do lunch and learns or information sessions or things that you want to showcase. This was another one that I found to be hugely helpful because actually, your boss gets a lot of credit in these situations for promoting and proactively showcasing their staff, even if it's your idea. And then on the other side of that, you get the credit and credibility of putting the limelight on you and. Fill in the blank how much you've grown, how much you know about this account, how much the client likes you, whatever those things are, by getting up and presenting and sharing with others, you're showing what you can do. And then you're also getting credit because you're sharing that with the broader organization so they, too, can learn from what you did. Another thing you can do is showcase your own direct reports work. So put them in front of a lunch and learn. Or when you're in a room, say, oh, you know, so-and-so was able to build this presentation. Isn't this great? I think we could use this as a best practice moving forward. I thought it was really clever and inventive or whatever so that others are seeing it. And then whether or not your boss takes the cue from you, you're going to get the credit for doing that for someone else. And then the last one which I think can be a little bit hard and you have to position it in the right way again you're hearing a lot of you know nuances within this conversation is proactively start asking to be in meetings where you're not asking for a seat at the table with your boss but you're asking to do a cameo in said meeting or You know, instead of giving your boss the talking points, offer to come in and present and think about that lens of, you know, you get exposure to them all the time. I really feel like, you know, if I could come in, then you don't have the burden of having to present it. And then they see that, you know, you're bringing me along in the process or giving me exposure. And I really think that exposure would be helpful because what I ultimately want is to get to your job. And I feel like this will just give me a peek behind the curtain that will allow me to get some of that exposure for example. Mm -hmm. And so it's not meant to be that you are going to go in and hear all the secrets and all the things that you're not supposed to be privy to. But it is giving you an audience with a whole lot of stakeholders and then making your boss look good in the process. And actually, this one worked really well for me when I was trying to get a director role in an organization. And I kept getting the pushback that uh, a little bit of well, everyone hasn't had exposure to you or so-and-so isn't quite sure you're ready for it because back to my point about alienating certain folks, you know, it kind of... it it baked all of that. And then what ended up happening is because then I was given a pet project leadership role by that team, because clearly I had the desire to be in there and I was being proactive about it, then inevitably when that project was complete and I had led it, that got to the director role. So it really does work. It's something that you have to work at and you have to position appropriately. But I think that Yes, there are certain bosses out there that take credit on purpose. There are other ones that don't even realize they're doing it. So you're going to have to be able to rise above that and manage it in a way that makes you look good, but does not make them look bad.
1: I think that's all really good point. And I'm going to tell a dirty little secret here, which is that most bosses don't like to present their people's work. 100%. Because they're afraid they're going to get asked questions they can't answer. 100%. Right, so a lot of people are like, I can't do that. I couldn't ask my boss to do that. I couldn't ask to go into to to do that. Or you yourself are like too scared to go do that. This is a really huge untapped opportunity for most people. Is just to say, hey, um, I'd be happy to go and present that. You can intro it. I'll present the work that way. I'm there. You know, questions get asked, and most of the time, bosses are like. Oh, yes, because yes. they have so many other things to think about besides getting up to speed on your work enough to be able to present it and then to be able to speak and answer questions back to what I was saying before about not surprising your boss. Yep. They don't like to like volunteer themselves to be surprised either. Right. Yes. So this is a really great opportunity in order to get that exposure. Seek and take advantage of it when you can. Do not let that one pass you by because it, it will doesn't necessarily come across all the time. Right. Yep.
0: I was notorious for saying, I know I'm more in the weeds than you. So instead of trying to get everything out of my brain into yours, why don't let you let me present the portion of it? And then, like you said, yeah. you can intro it and wrap it up from the more highly strategic point of view.
1: Yes, exactly. I think that's exactly yeah. the message track you should use. And then I also want to reinforce the bragging piece because we get this a lot, too, where it's like, I I feel really uncomfortable talking about my work and you know because it does feel like bragging. And I think you brought up a really great point in that, It's in the way that you position it. And if you position it in a way that it is forwarding the work in general and helping somebody else do their job better, then it's not bragging. Plus, it's true. Right. So that being the case, it's true. And if you can if you feel like it's feeling uncomfortable that you're getting to that bragging point, add on to the end Oh, I can help you do this too. Would you like me to talk to you? Or like, do like, you want to have 30 minutes? I can share how I did this and you can see how, it, how it's done too. Or do you want me to talk to somebody, whoever your person is? And I can, when you start sharing your knowledge, mm-hmm. you're helping, you're helping, right? So why would you keep that to yourself? That's actually a little selfish, I think, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, so that's kind of productive, <laughs> you know, put it out there in a way that looks like it's helping, it's forwarding, right? That's the whole point. Yep. All right. The second question, I feel like my boss is holding me back from getting promoted. I felt like that. Um, I've told that story many times. I won't tell it here. Um, But the question is, what do I do? So if you're still feeling this way, even after putting all this stuff into practice, you really need to be a bit more strategic in building allies. So these, again, are suggestions from more of the advanced ally building course, which you know, we talked about before. So these ones are gonna take a little bit more practice and a little bit more guts, honestly, but they are extremely effective. So first and some finesse. And some finesse. Absolutely. You can't brute force through this at all. Okay. So the first thing you do is you can ask for a triad, which is really a meeting with your boss and one boss up or another stakeholder, which is, whether it's HR or somebody who's voting on your promotion, whoever is the right person. And the only objective here is to have someone in the conversation that can hold your boss accountable. Okay, this is not an opportunity to rat on your boss. It's not an opportunity to try to undermine your boss or circumvent your boss. That will end badly for you because remember the golden rule. You need to make your boss look good. It doesn't matter if they're holding you back. You still need to make your boss look good, okay? I've learned this the hard way. Do not do it. (laughs) But triads can be very effective if it's a collaborative session, and it's done in a way that does not put anybody on a defense, okay? If available, you can ask to change roles or assignments, which will put you under a new boss. Now, this may make your journey a little bit longer, but it may be more bearable if you have been toiling for a long, long time. It's like I talk about a lot. It's like when you get stuck in traffic, you know, even though it might be shorter just to wait out the traffic, Sometimes it just helps to manage your anxiety if you actually like go another route, even if it's a bit longer, even if it takes you a bit longer. you right? you notorious just, for that. Yes. You're moving, <laughs> you're moving forward. There's something about moving that helps you feel like you're at least making progress. This also, ironically, kind of helps you build allies in different places, which can help you in the long run. So I did this when I moved from R&D to, to communications, where I was trying to get that promotion in R&D. And I was toiling and I was toiling and I was getting a lot of this rhetoric that we had talked about before. And I was like, I'm going to eventually get there. I know I'm going to get there. I don't know if it's a month. I don't know if it's like years from now. But do I want to sit and do I want to toil for longer? You know, and this is when I decided that I wanted to have a new challenge, that I would be happier having a new challenge, feeling like I'm growing, feeling like I'm expanding my repertoire of knowledge and experience, being able to put my passions into something new versus staying and waiting and getting promoted. And that's what I decided to do. Now, it took me another five years to get promoted. Um, And I still think I should have been able to do that sooner. Yes, but there's still those things in the system, back to what April was saying before about expectations, where in a very new role that I've never done before, they expect you to have some like consistency and experience and all that kind of stuff. I was like, (laughs) all right, fine, whatever. So that is a really important one to think about, which is, and it's totally up to you is is your mindset of like, do you want to stay and wait? Or do you want to try to move in order to take a slightly different path, even if it could be a little bit of a longer path?
0: Yeah. And I, I think that with this one, um, there's an aversion to this just naturally.
1: Right. Because oh, everyone wants to take the straightest point. Just, right? Yeah. I think what, what they yeah. think is the straightest point. Right.
0: And I think everyone wants to hurry up and get to the next level especially when you're lower on the totem pole yeah and so i i think looking back my perspective on that is actually it's counterintuitive because what you should do is learn a whole bunch of different roles that you're going to ultimately need in order to get to that point faster like i actually believe that there is a way to Do a whole bunch of the, you know, learning, learning the company, learning the different roles and then having so much knowledge that you're able to promote yourself faster. But anyway, that's a that's a side caveat. But the thing I will say here is that for me, what I ended up doing was I came into one company and I took the role that was there because it was open and I was really interested in Mm -hmm. working at the company And I knew that internal marketing was probably never going to be my love, right? So to my previous point about learning what you can and, you know, moving on, I always thought I had an eye to account management because that's what I thought I wanted to do, right? But in the process of doing that internal marketing role and getting exposed to the broader organization, it opened my eyes to strategy and what that actually was. Mm-hmm. And, and that actually what I wanted to be doing was a whole lot more of that. And so when it came time for me to ask to be moved to a different team, I'd be lying if I didn't say the boss I had at the time and even the one before that really left me in in an exhausted state because I just always felt like I was chasing my tail and that my life really wasn't on my own terms, quite frankly. And so I was tired and I needed to get out of that. And so the person that I selected to be my boss was lovely and still a very good friend and the complete opposite of that and really had a desire to help me get out of that situation. But when I positioned the fact that I wanted to make the move... It was, you know, I came in here and this really wasn't what I wanted to do, but I was willing to put my time in for, I think, like two years and, you know, do the job and do it well. And now I'm asking the organization for permission to move into a different area where I actually think my skill sets and passions lie and where I can provide a lot of value to the organization. And, oh, by the way, at that point, it was a very top heavy group from a strategy Mm. perspective and so they needed more of a hands-on doer so I was asking for this boss I was going to be supporting all the folks on this team and was hungry enough that which people knew that I would chase down all the stuff and learn from all of them and so was I really asking probably fundamentally to leave that boss Yeah. Did I know enough and understand and the coaching from that person who I love, (laughs) it was great that I was going to have to do it in a very savvy way in order to make sure that everyone still felt good about me. That was the other side of it. And so that, I mean, it really, I mean, I probably spent several months carefully getting myself out from under that other person and over. But ultimately, it led to a place where, I was able to move career wise more quickly, but into a a role where I really was doing more of what I wanted to do.
1: Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And I think what you alluded to, too, was very interesting in that um, you don't necessarily always have to move roles either. So this was another point that I was going to bring up, too, is that you can try and negotiate for a different boss if you have a valid justification for doing that. Yep. So when I was in r and I was in a corporate organization that was supporting all of our business units, right? So I was working on a coffee project at the time and I really wanted to be more immersed as part of that team. I liked their team better. I was felt more comfortable in their team. I wanted to be part of their activities. I felt like a little bit of an outsider being at a different location. And so I asked, hey, can I have a desk in where this the building was because it was in a different building. Can I sit with the team? Uh-huh. And so they gave me that op- that option. And so I started showing up to work every day with my team in this new building. So my day-to-day boss and coffee became more of my de facto boss, even though my boss dotted, you know, that was a dotted line and my solid line was still to my other boss yep. um, in my corporate group. But what that gave me was was exposure, one, to new allies and new people. And also when review time came up, my day to day boss had more clout yep. in, in my um, cr- it, it, to vouch for my credibility, my performance, my progress than my other boss did. Right. So that was a way to kind of maneuver the situation, kind of take myself out of one that I felt like maybe my boss was holding me back a little bit and giving me, again, the visibility or giving me the access, the allies that allowed me to put together better social proof for promotion. Yep. All right. Our third in the trenches question. I just have no energy for playing their game. Why should I have to? I feel like Anne
0: was mad at me when she wrote this episode, so she just pressed all my buttons.
1: (laughs) I know. This is just what makes it so much fun. I just sit back here and watch it, and I just add my two cents. This is great.
0: (laughs) You should use your powers for good, not evil. Okay. Anyway. Well, maybe. (laughs) um, So the reason, all joking aside, that I'm assigned this one is because this was just so hard for me to stomach. And so what we will say here is, Not having the energy is not an option if you want to get promoted. So because you want to get promoted, you have to just swallow it. Business is a game. You did not write the rules. So if you want to win the game, you're going to have to play by the rules as they exist in the company and situation you are in. Amen. This does not mean you have to lose your soul in the process, which is what I really thought was going to happen to me. But it does mean you have to make a concerted effort to understand those rules and then make your choices according to them, again, if you want the promotion. And Anne likes the reference of playing Monopoly, which is a really good one here. Um, The rules are the same, but there are so many different ways to use those rules to win and so many different strategies you can play the game by in order to create your path. So, for example... You can choose to buy a lot of the smaller properties and then go for a volume play that has lower risk over time. Or you can buy the super expensive ones and get bigger payouts if someone lands on those spaces, but that's tied to a higher risk. The only thing you can't do if you're playing the game and wanting to win is nothing. Not buying anything. Not playing. Right. Not being part of the game, as we said. So... Really take some time to yourself to reflect on what it is about the game that you don't want to play and really see if there is a way that you can do it on your own terms. Because like so many of the discussions and comments we've made and my personal feelings on this whole thing is once I was able to, well, swallow this, but then find my own way to do it, I was totally okay with doing it because it didn't Mm -hmm. feel inauthentic, which is what I was always worried about. The term politics is thrown around a lot, and I'm also not a fan of them. But really, this is just the rules of the game. So you're going to have to learn to maneuver within the players if you want to pass, go, and collect $200 back to our Monopoly reference. So figure out what relationships you can build that will be mutually beneficial. If nothing comes from it, you still feel like you have someone on your side. I think that there are many people out there that will say, I just simply don't have the time for it because I'm too busy doing my job, which again was how I kind of felt about it in the beginning. I'm above this. I don't need to do this. I have plenty of other important things on my plate and this is not one of them. But honestly, this is totally an excuse. It means you don't feel like it's important to prioritize. And if you want to stay where you are, and you don't want to move up the ladder, and you're okay with just doing the doing of your job, that's totally fine. And you are welcome to stay there. But if your desire really is for the promotion, you're going to have to get on board with this. The way that I finally was able to look at it is because I knew I eventually wanted to create my own reality and do my own thing. I positioned it in my head as biding my time. So because I was working at a company that was owned by someone else and my desire was to climb the ladder and learn as much as I needed to to be able to go out on my own, I was going to have to just grin and bear it for the experience that I then needed to go on and do my next next thing. And that was able to place it in an objective spot. It allowed me to put myself in the mindset, yes, that this wasn't mine, this was somebody else's. But what that allowed me to do was take the emotion out of it and realize that the promotion was on the terms of the business and the people that own that business and all of the players at that table. And so I could either play the game and make it work for me, or I could continue to balk the system, in which case I was going nowhere.
1: Yeah, I think that's just the reality of the situation. And We hear it a lot from our coaching clients where they're like, it should just be about the work. I do good work. Isn't that enough? And I think if you listen to this episode or any of our other episodes, we're telling you it is not enough. Definitely not. I mean, there's a gazillion, gazillion examples about how it's not enough. So I'll give you an example, too, from from my background when I was at P&G. So one thing that I got feedback on was that people saw me in a very certain way. Obviously, I'm very direct. I'm very, like, I forward the work. I'm very clear about what I want to go do and how I want to go do it. Still somewhat collaborative about it all. But, you know, people thought I kind of had a little bit of an edge to me, right? And they weren't sure I was, like, in it for everybody else if I was just in it for myself. So a suggestion was given that maybe I should join one of the teams that were kind of operating within Fabric care in order to improve the culture. So this one was specifically the actual culture team. And the whole goal was so people could see a different side of me um, that was not in the work or always like that hard ass nature about like getting the work done. But Still, I could use my passions, my talents in order to for that. So I actually decided, all right, fine, I'll go do it. I had all the excuses. I don't have time for this. Why should I have to do this? My work just is another good. thing. It's just another thing. I'm like, I, I, I really love the culture, but I wasn't sure if I wanted to take an active role in being part of the culture, that sort of thing. But I did it. To your point, I needed to play the game. I knew that this was going to help people see a different side of me, so I did it. And actually, what I found as I got in it was that I liked it, right, <laughs> <laughs> which was kind of ironic to me. I didn't expect to like it. I really liked it. I actually volunteered to um, to co-develop and execute our big culture meeting session thing um, with the whole entire group. I found that was so much fun, right? And so people did actually see a different side of me. They saw a fun side of me. They saw like me operating in this different dynamic, and they got to get a little bit of insight of how I tick in a slightly different way. So it was really helpful in helping people to see that side of me and definitely succeeded in doing that. So my moral of the story here is to what April said, sometimes you have to kind of like grin it and bear it if somebody is telling you very specifically, you're not... Getting to get this promotion, basically, because people can't see the softer side of you, you know, whatever, however they um, they quantify it. You have to find a path in order to be able to showcase that. If you don't, you can sit there and feel justified that you shouldn't have to, but don't expect to get promoted then.
0: Yeah, I mean, I actually feel like people should look at that as a gift. If someone's actually going to directly tell you why you're not getting the promotion, then go and do what they're saying.
1: Yeah, it's a playbook, guys. (laughs) It's the playbook. All right. Our fourth in the trenches question. I feel like the criteria for my promotion keeps changing. One day it's one carrot and then, then I get to that and then it's another carrot. I'm tired of carrots. <laughs> what do I do? <laughs> All right. So first we'll say, have you asked your boss the fundamental question, which we talked about at the beginning and talked about throughout, what do you need to see for me to get your support for promotion? And if so, Have you documented it and are using it to track progress? So like we said before, this document should be the basis of a progress discussion with your boss, and ideally probably a -a once-a-month basis. Don't hit them up every day, every week. It's not enough to show progress, but once a month seems like it's the right time frame in order to go do that. When you actually have a document, you guys can actually refer to the document, kind of like what we say, briefs, in order to be able to stay on track and stay aligned and try to manage expectations. If you're just having a verbal conversation... That has a tendency to kind of get misconstrued from one conversation to the next. It doesn't hold anybody accountable. It's not formal enough. Not formal enough is absolutely right. So let's assume that you have done that, all right, and you're being super diligent in that. Then there's likely a few things that could be still happening here. So there could be a soft skill, like I just talked about in my own example, that may be hard for your boss to admit, or maybe it's hard to articulate, or it's hard to convey, So this is time to reflect back on your personal brand. So if you feel like there's something amiss and you can't really put your finger on it, it's usually in the appearance side of your personal brand, whether it's verbal or physical. So look for themes in this area. So April and I have both talked about struggling to endorse a candidate from promotion. We can't trust their behavior. right? So this is really, really important. And this is especially true when they get into team environments where they might be showcasing or reflecting poorly upon the team or poorly upon the business or poorly upon the company, right? So for example, we've talked about highly volatile people who get into meetings and then they kind of go off the handle, right? Or teammates who go out to happy hours and they overindulge in alcohol and they get really sloppy drunk, right? You can't trust a person, you can't promote them. But that is a really hard thing to put on an action plan. Nobody's going to say in an action plan, don't get drunk at the happy hour, right? (laughs) Nobody's going to put that in writing. So you're going to have to think really clearly about, "Mm, is there something I could have done to actually interfere with my progress and getting promoted and be really honest about that. The second thing that might be happening here is that they're just stalling, right? There may be other candidates that they believe to be stronger, that other people are vying for or supporting. So have you really done your homework to assess your competition and how she or he is positioning themselves for promotion and are they doing it better? All right. So this is something I had to realize within my my own promotion that I was oh there was always one person that was um we were kind of the top candidates and we were always vying for the promotion but she was doing the networking thing better. She was showing up better even though my work was better. She was showing up better. So she was getting the nod. So you have to acknowledge that because that becomes data by which then you can change your actions. If you don't recognize that data, makes it makes you feel kind of yucky and stuff, which it probably will, then you're just going to sit and you're going to continue to toil. A third thing is they don't have advocacy they need from the other voters. Also happened to me. So you have to probe a bit by asking again, is there someone else I need to get on my side to progress my promotion quicker? Right? That's the conversation to have. Some may say there aren't any roles open. This actually could be a reality, but you could try and do what I did and make your own role. Um, i talked about that, what I did within communications to make my own role that looked like the role that I would want um, in a level and with a capacity and authority that is that promotional space. And then I provided an aspirational place in order for people to kind of see what I could do within that capacity, as well as what could potentially be an additional role within the business. Now, as I like, you guys know the punchline on that one kind of like came cr- down crashing and burning, but it did provide the basis for which I was then able to leave PNG and and create my new business.
0: Yeah, I think those are all good. And, and the one that I will add here is you can also ask what needs to happen at the company level True. to the point of this one if there aren't any open roles in order to add this role or this promotional level. So I talked before about Um, Organic growth through accounts. And one of the things that was coming back was, well, we had this bucket of money for the promotions and that's been used. And so until there's incremental income we're not going to be able to do another round of promotions. And that was just how that particular agency worked. It was like they did them in batches almost, right? Mm-hmm. You're, the ne- you're on the list for the next one, but we just don't have that yet. And so it became my mission and goal in the accounts where, knowing I couldn't affect the whole organization where I was, but in the accounts where I was to make sure that I was, number one, tracking any organic growth that I was contributing to, but then also to really extend myself to try to build the accounts I was on more quickly to show that I was serious about the promotion, Mm. but also to set myself a little bit apart even in that next batch so that I could secure my space and prove kind of one-to-one what I did that put me at the top of that
1: list. So Yeah, that's super smart. And what I love about that is that you didn't sit there and go, well, there's nothing I can do. Yeah. Right. Which is what a lot of people will say. It was yeah. like, well, sorry. I'm not in control of that. I'm not in control of that. That's outside of my my control, outside of my, you know, wh- whatever it is. That is a, a very limiting mindset. I love what you said there because you found another way to make it happen. Now, n- not You know, it doesn't always happen the way we want it to Mm -hmm. happen. And it wasn't
0: immediate, for sure. I had to go do a whole bunch of work to get that. But
1: But at least there's something you you could do. There's always something you can do. So I think that is what we want you guys to take away from this, is that there's always something you can do. Don't play the victim. Yes. All right. So our third and final segment is a marketing smarts moment, which may or may not have anything to do with the episode, but something that we've been seeing recently that we wanted to bring to light for you guys. All right, so it's my marketing smarts moment, and I was in Fort Lauderdale last week for a couple days, and we went to this restaurant called the Boatyard.
0: You're really killing me here. I said before we started this episode, I was so sad to leave Florida. Uh huh. And now you're gonna bring it back up.
1: Well, you know, if anything about this this whole episode, as I've been like pushing your buttons the whole entire time, (laughs) so why, you know, payback is now. (laughs) I know. Well, I expect it, and I'll be ready for it. Um. So back to the boatyard. But it was a very lovely restaurant. Uh, And what I really appreciated when I got the menu, which was a very simple menu. Uh, Again, as you can imagine, a seafood based menu was at the very bottom. And it said, hook to table. We provide the freshest seafood from our East Coast fishermen. Then it listed the fishermen. It listed their boat. And then it listed where they are located. I loved this. I thought this was super clever. Now, I've seen it in some ways and some other places, but I've never seen it articulated so well where they're taking very important real estate on the menu in order to call this out. And what this signaled to me, it was a level of freshness. It signaled a level of quality. It, It signaled a level of something special or exclusive. And then what that became is a word of mouth Basically, talking point that I could use to recommend the restaurant to others. I mean, in Fort Lauderdale, there is a lot of really fantastic restaurants. Yep. I mean, food is, was X excellent. Seafood specifically. Yeah, seafood specifically. I didn't have a bad meal, but if somebody asked me where to go in Fort Lauderdale, that would be my first recommendation because it was a differentiating factor in my mind that set it apart from everybody else, where I could say, Oh, you want to go to the boatyard. Not only was the food fantastic, but they source their seafood from these this local fishermen. And you feel good that you're doing something to support the community, uh, even if everybody else did that. Mm-hmm. Fine. But it still felt like it was intentional. Right. And I'll tell you, I thought the food tasted better because of <laughs> that. Like just knowing that, like knowing Whether the that freshness was placebo or the quality. But or not. it's a placebo effect. But it's like your mind <laughs> Tells your brain, or your mind tells your brain, your mind tells your taste buds and all your senses mm-hmm. that this is an experience that you're gonna it. that you're gonna appreciate yep. because of what they've gone out of their way to go do. So I thought this was a, a really phenomenal way of being able to differentiate, um, especially in a. Uh, We talk about restaurants a lot, but an industry that tends to be very um, flat when it comes to those Mm -hmm. sorts of things are very hard to elevate. This was a very simple thing that I thought was really good.
0: Well, and I think it's interesting because tonally it is so just nonchalant. Like Like it's not they're not shouting from the rooftops in the way that they're articulating this. Right. Like. I, always being the tone of voice geek, I just love like the intro of hook to table. Yeah. I mean, I'm like, it's just it gets you right away. You know what it means. But it's not saying, look at me, look at me. It's capitalizing on the fishermen, but showcasing that person and giving them a face and a name and whatever, so that they get the credit as the restaurant for being humble and supporting and all the other things you said.
1: Yeah, I thought that was great. And it made me decide to order the fish. Yeah. Like that, that, that they actually brought to the restaurant. You yeah. Know? So I was like, oh, I got to try it then. So it, yeah, everything that you said. So just to recap how to position yourself for promotion first, ask, what do you need to see for me to get your support for promotion? This question flips your boss's role from defense to office, creating more opportunity to forward your promotion goal more quickly. Make your boss look good. Overall, when your boss looks good, everyone, including you, looks good. It's hard to secure favor if you, your boss, or your team is perceived poorly. Third, operate like you're in the role two promotions ahead. This is especially true if within these moves, you're switching from more of a doer to a manager, so focus on how to get the team, group, business to operate more efficiently and effectively. And finally, get allies who will act as advocates. Your reputation is very important in getting the support you need for promotion, and this comes from others putting good reviews into this system. Being a forthright woman can be challenging on a good day, which is why we offer individual and group coaching as well as group trainings and keynotes. Check out our website, forthright-women.com, to learn more. If you find this podcast of value, please rate and review us and share with other women who could use a boost to become a forthright woman.